Action Park Media. Welcome to Entertain Her. I am Sarah Sanderson. Aaron Coscarelli. Hey guys, I'm Zulaiha now. Erica Welcome. is not with us today, but uh, that is okay. We have a very special guest, uh, one of my dear friends, Marley Steinman Perso. I believe I'm saying that right. I learned that uh, today. Um, who's going to be joining us, who is a therapist, and she's going to be discussing. Um, a lot of stuff. We're going to approach anxiety, uh, relationships, fertility, um, surrogacy, like kind of all of it. We're going to bring her back because she is awesome. But you know what time it is. Get ready for the wind down. Victory! I'm going to go first. Um, it's raining. <laughs> Send help. We live in Los Angeles. People don't know what the hell to do when it rains. Do you suffer from seasonal depression, Coscarelli? Which is a very common thing. And no, I, I no, no, I don't. No, but when it rains, I'm like a cat. I, you know, I just don't, I like, I fully shut down. I want to be next to a heater, a fire, something radiating warmth. Um, yeah, I get that. But it's just funny what happens when like temperatures dip in LA. We dress like it is the goddamn Arctic here. I mean, you know? I'm wearing I'm wearing <laughs> a fake fur coat inside the house right now. If there's well, that, same. that's a of what's happening here right now. <laughs> Still yeah. have my my flip flops on, but I'm I'm wearing a full on and, winter. And, you know, and you know, gas is expensive. So like my mom's not turning the heater on. I mean, it's just terrible. It really is so terrible. So anyways, really quickly, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, I'm wearing teeth whiteners right now in case you can't like notice the little lisp because I, I committed a mortal sin last night. I, I went to dinner, pizza restaurant. It was delicious pizza Bianco. I don't know if you've heard of it. Had red wine, yes. like a couple of glasses of red wine. I planned on brushing my teeth, but fell asleep on the couch and that all night red stained teeth on the couch, like didn't brush my teeth last night. So like, I'm like, that was the first thing I thought of when I woke up this morning was the anxiety of the shade of my teeth, because I don't know, you don't go to sleep and not brush your teeth after you have red wine, but I fell asleep watching Playboy murders on the couch. Okay, wow. I'm just gonna say I'm sure there's so many people listening who have had a drunken evening with red wine and just went to bed and didn't brush their teeth. So if you're not alone, probably in that. Um, but I love that you immediately were like, "Let me fix this," because a lot of people probably wouldn't have even thought about I had, it. Aaron, what kind of teeth whiteners? Just regular over-the-counter white strips. Yep. Yeah, those are good. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, good for you. You're making me want to go put some on my teeth because I um. Yeah, I, I'm needing to get back into my teeth whitening. All right, guys, uh, I will go because I'm going to be very short. Um, Kennedy did not get into our top choice preschool. She's been waitlisted. <laughs> and yesterday was a very, uh, Kevin was literally laughing. He's like, are you kidding me? I was like, yeah, I'm sad. I'm sad. Ridiculous. So um, I found out there's only 12 spots for that particular class. We don't belong to that parish community. And they also give priority to, to siblings of 
already member, already students at the preschool. So they were our top choice. Um, and it's okay. We're going to move on. Um, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give myself a couple of weeks to see like where I want, what, you know, what the next step is, but we take these things as they come. We take life as it comes. And I think that this is also redirection. She may get in and she may, they may, a spot may come available or not. And I have to be redirected in whichever way that walks. And this could just, this pertains to everything in life. Everything is redirection. And I, today I decided to just feel great about it and to, you know, create a different plan and, and, and think of what other quantum experience could, could be. And let that come to fruition. So I'm grateful for, um, I'm grateful for an opportunity to grow spiritually, even through that experience. It's their loss. Thanks, Sandra. All I'm going to say, <laughs> um, I'm going to mine so fast. I finally had a night out. I went to dinner. I got out of the house. Dantana's. Um, I went to Dantana's. Okay. I have an update. You guys on Dantana's their valet. I don't know if you remember this from, I don't even know when six months ago, we had the little situation at the valet. Cause they only take cash and we didn't have cash and it was a whole problem. They now take cards. They take Ooh. credit cards at the valet. And you know, that guy who wasn't very nice to us, I said, oh, how long have you guys been taking cards? He goes, a while. Like he, like, yeah, well, right. I haven't, yeah. I've been there in the past five months and there were no cards, but anyway, um, it was really fun. Aaron was there. Zulai, we missed you. But I, the second I left the house, literally the second I left the house, Doug texted me. I think she has a diaper situation. So. Oh God. <laughs> So that was funny. Um, but it was nice to, to get out, uh, did find out that she's not really taking bottles now. So, uh, she didn't really eat well before she went to bed that night. She did sleep until three 30 though, which is kind of strange that night. It's the longest she's gone, but that's going to be an issue for me if she's not going to take bottles when I leave the house. So we got to work on that, but I finally got out of the house and it was MUA nice. is coming. MUA is going to be the solution. Because well, MLA when? when are they coming? March. They launch in March. Oh. You can pre-order now and you can oh. do your thing online. And I need to. Yes. Um, all right. So we're now going to get in the episode. Here comes Marley. I'm so excited for today's guest. She is one of my dear friends of almost, I think, 20 years. And she also was a roommate of mine for eight years. So I know her very, very well. She is a uh, family and marriage therapist. She's an infertility surrogacy and donor concierge consultancy. I hope I said that correctly. My very, very good friend, Marley Steinman. Parasol. Did I say that right? Because I learned that this morning. <laughs> yeah, after so no tea, but it's all good. <laughs> it's her married name. That's what oh, I said. Okay. I was, you know what I said earlier? I go, is it Parasot? And she's like, no, yeah. Sarah. Because <laughs> I call her Mars. I call her Mars, Marley, Simon. Anyways, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, we are very, very happy to have you on with us today, this rainy day. And um, I am excited to kind of it's not talked about and men that are listening, bear with us because we're going to get to you. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit right now about infertility. And I know that I love that people are being more open about it today and, um, not making you feel so alone. It used to just be such a lonely world to have to be dealing with, um, infertility issues and that there's so many new options with the science out there. So Marley, please, uh, 
help take it away. Take it away. <laughs> well, you know, you guys, there's so much to talk about on this topic, um, as I'm sure all you you know and you know potentially have experienced. Um, but you know, essentially, our whole lives as women, we go, you know, from thinking like as adolescents or as in our 20s, like don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant, use contraception, practice abstinence, you know, all these things and live with this fear of like getting pregnant at a time when we're not ready. Um, and then, you know, a lot of us get to an age where we are ready and we're wanting to expand our families, whether it's on our own or with a significant other. And unfortunately, at that point, we realize that it's not so easy as we thought and we're not able to. And a lot of the times it means an investment in, you know, financially investment in your body and years of struggle, like just to get to that point of being able to have a baby, expand your family and, you know, being in a situation where a lot of times your friends or your family or other people in your life, lives are able to have their children and it's easy for them. And just, you know, the kind of stigma and pain that people experience when as women, our bodies aren't doing what we have to been told they're supposed to. Um, and I think that that's a really difficult and challenging experience for us as women. And also, you know, for our significant others, um, you know, for our partners. And, um, you know, I think on this topic, there's just a lot of things to, to think about and to cover and yeah. What would be your advice to a couple who um, is trying to conceive and they're having a little bit of struggles? Like at what point should they go maybe get some help or see what's going on? Like what would be kind of step one? And when? Well, yeah, I mean, I think information and knowledge is always power, right? About our bodies. And so I know I don't really think it's ever too soon to understand what our fertility levels are. You know, whether it's for single women or people in relationships that might not even be ready for kids, it's always good to know, you know, to be able to go to your doctor, find out about your ovarian reserves, your FSH, try and understand, you know, what your timing looks like because it is different for every person. Um, and I think for people who are trying and are struggling, um, it's never too early to go to a fertility doctor and just for a consult, just to get um, an idea about, you know, their body and what could potentially be going on. And also like, what are the things you can do to enhance your fertility, whether it be acupuncture, whether it be prenatals, you know, there's not a lot of education out there, I think, for people. And because people aren't talking about it, I think it's never too early to get the information, you know, whether you decide to move forward with treatment, you know, I think that that's will depend on the doctor and what the doctor says. But I think it can be really scary when you're trying and it's just not working. And there's, you know, little understanding as to why. So I think really like, you know, getting just one consultation, it isn't, you know, too much financially. And it's also not too much, you know, you don't have to make any major decisions, but just collecting information is always really helpful. On the topic of education. So I'm, I looked up just the um, definition of infertility. How would you define it? Because here, and I know this is scientifically backed and this is medically, this is a medical, a very medical approach to the definition, but it even says that not being able to get pregnant after at least one year of trying or six months of the woman is over 35. There's like, there seems to be like this age yeah. um, component to this. Yeah. How do you, in your years of experience with the women that you've helped, what do you think are the top three causes of infertility? And then I want to further that and talk about male incompetency and male, uh, male infertility. Yeah. And how those two things um, 
Are they equally viewed? Um, why is there such a stigma for women to carry the, I, I think, carry the weight of this? Yes. Is it just, are the numbers just as high in the male community? Like, I want to know about that because I know so many, I know, I have a friend right now who, um, who's been dealing with this issue for years and yeah. Um, after going through a lot of processes herself, we yeah. find that there was an issue with her partner. Yeah. So I want to, I want to understand from your perspective and from what you've been through, why is it that we always immediately go to the woman? What are the top three things? And then at what, at which point do we say, okay, well, let's go and look at your partner's, um, yeah. health, sexual health or, or whatever you call it. Yeah. So first I'll say, you know, of course, anything I say is only speaking from experience, um, you know, because of course I don't have any medical advice or anything to give because it's not within my scope. But I will say kind of from my experience with working with physicians, with working with my clients and my patients, I will say that like, you know, infertility can be complicated because a lot of the times we don't know what the issues are, right? Most of the time we don't. So diagnostics tend to be like the first thing. And what happens, what I see what happens is a lot of times people will go straight to the treatment, right? So they'll go to doctor and they'll head straight to IVF or they'll head straight to an IUI. Um, and really, you know, and from a lot of the doctors I've worked with, I've seen that like the diagnostic thing tends to be really important. Like, let's figure out first, like what exactly is the issue? Um, for women, uh, they're seeing a, a significant increase in people being diagnosed with endometriosis, which does cause infertility. And unfortunately, because there hasn't been a lot of uh, research and uh, knowledge in endometriosis, which people can get at a very early age, women are diagnosed with it. So they can go like eight to 10 years without even knowing that they have it. And so it can grow and get worse. Um, and also it can't be diagnosed without doing a laparoscopic surgery, which is somewhat in minimally invasive, but still invasive. So there are a lot of women that aren't being diagnosed. Um, and, you know, there are doctors out there that are specializing it now and really trying to raise awareness um, that this can cause women a lot of pain during cycles and also can cause infertility. So I'm seeing a lot of women doing endometriosis surgeries um, as a result of that being, you know, partially the cause of why they aren't able to get pregnant. So I would say that that's kind of like a thing that's really being talked about right now, especially because since it is just a women's issue, I think there's been a lack of like research and attention paid to it because it just affects women. Um, and so I think there's really a lot of focus on that right now. Um, the other things I see are, you know, sometimes if there's some kind of effect with the uterus, like someone has a septum or there is a fibroid or there is, you know, anything that impact implantation as well. That's something we see. And then also egg quality, which a lot of the times is based on age, you know, not always, but as we get older, um, ovarian reserves change. And so if we have a handful of eggs, only a certain percentage of them are good and it gets less and less as we get older. And I think women are starting to have, try and have families later because they're invested in their careers in a way they didn't used to be. You know, we're not all having babies at, at a college um, or before college. Like we're, a lot of us now are really trying to grow careers and establish our career life. And then we go to try. And unfortunately at that point, we don't know that that's the case, but at that point, you know, potentially we have less eggs to get the kind of good eggs that we want. So those are some of the major things that I see. And then, you know, straight to your point, like, you know, male infertility can also be an issue. Um, you know, sperm 
count, sperm quality, all of that. Um, doctors typically, I think, do test for that initially or should test for that initially to find out if that's an issue as well. If there needs to be some treatment for a man who maybe does not have great motility or doesn't have great quality of sperm. Um, but I think so much of it is on the woman because not only are we responsible for providing an egg and a good egg that's chromosomally normal, that is, you know, going to be able to implant, but we're also responsible for carrying the baby. So that means our body also has to be, you know, in perfect shape to carry the pregnancy. So we just have so much more responsibility in the whole process that I think there are just more opportunities for us to have things that make it challenging. Um, so that's kind of, you know, usually what I'm seeing with, you know, kind of the male versus female experience. <clears throat> and I'll speak really transparently because I really love what Zulai said and to kind of piggyback on her um, and what you mentioned is yeah. that for me personally, um, I have waited. Uh, there's a there's a fear. There's a fear of what motherhood means and what you lose in the event you have kids and all of that emotionally. But also I'm, I'm glad I waited because I am a little bit more understanding of what my woundings are and what my, um, you know, issues are in the sense of like, now I'm a bit more present and, and competent and I can show up differently. And so all of those things lead to me feeling like waiting has been a great outcome for me. But now we have this, now I'm, I'm more emotionally aware, but obviously I'm older. And yet, yes, you're seeing a shift is certainly on, on the coastal side of, of more women investing in their create in their creatives or their career and wanting to wait. But then we have this ticking biological clock, which is really frustrating because I, I am glad that I waited. And now we have this issue of like, because women wait and now they're certain age, we have this like societal pressure of like this biological biological clock. So it's like, it's really frustrating that we have to kind of come up against that. Can you speak to that a little bit in the sense of like, is that what you, are, do you see that? Are you seeing that? How do you, can you give women advice on that? Because I think when people hear they're 40, now, oh God, like put us out to pasture and, and uh, women, I mean, the, even the term geriatric pregnancy, doesn't that start at 36? Yeah. 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 I mean, I can absolutely understand. Cause I, you know, started trying, um, and it took me like four and a half, five years to get to the point of using a surrogate and being able to have kids, but I kind of feel the same way. Like I feel really grateful, you know, of course not that I went through what I did. I mean, I think in some ways it led me to the right place in my life and was kind of meant to be, didn't feel that at the time, but I think that I also feel grateful that I do get to be a mom at this stage in my life. You know, um, I am, you know, 41 and I feel like, and I have, you know, three-year-old twins. And I do feel like, as you said, like you really do have to be in a place in your life where you're, where you're able to be, um, you know, give more, you're able to be less selfish, you're able to be more aware of your own triggers and your own kind of like psychology and to be more evolved. So I think we are like stuck in a weird place as women. Cause it's like, when you do have children, there is a thing where like, it's, it's impossible to not feel like you're giving a lot more of yourself. You're sacrificing things as related to your career, as related to kind of like, you know, needing to evolve on, uh, you know, on your own. So I do think that there are definitely for some, um, 
feels like a benefit to waiting to they're in a place where children feel right. But yeah, it is tough because then you hear these things about this biological clock and like you need to have children or you're going to miss your window. And so I think really for me, the thing that I was saying kind of a little bit earlier, which is like knowledge and advocacy. So you can make the choices that are right for you is really what you can do. Because I think when people get stuck is when they don't get the knowledge and they don't advocate for themselves. Right. Because then they get to a place where they're 40 and they're like, okay, I want to have kids, but like they haven't been prepared with the information to make a choice to wait. And so I think, you know, having the knowledge of like what your fertility is, what your options are, do you want to freeze your eggs? Is that something that you feel would be a good option for you. Um, do you want to make embryos in the case that somehow if you don't have a partner down the line that you still have that option? And then also advocating for yourself, making sure that you like ask the right questions, get to the right doctor. Are there things you can do to enhance your fertility while you wait? You know, like supplements, like acupuncture to make your body um, more susceptible to be able to carry a pregnancy. So I think, you know, because then you can make the choice. Like, do I feel like I want to do this now? Is my window going to pass or do I have more time? Um, and, you know, sometimes I think when we have all the information, it does make it easier to feel like, okay, I feel more in control of this. I feel, you know, I, I can't control the outcome, but at least I feel more in control of like being armored with all the knowledge. Um, and really, I think a lot of women are missing that knowledge because nobody comes after you with it. You know, you have to go out and seek it out yourself. And a lot of women don't know. How would you know? You know, you find out once mm -hmm. you start having trouble and then you feel like, oh my God, I didn't even know all these things. So I think that that's a big part of it. Is, is that a part of what you offer and as you're part of your services? Is it more of a emotional support approach or is it like an educational is it a, how how do you approach your clients and what would a client get if they came to and said hey Marley I want to work with you how how do you work with women in this space and yeah I'm interested I want to know it all <laughs> oh hi Kennedy hi Thank you um yeah so in different ways you know I did for the last like 14 years or so, I was just specializing at, you know, working in my private practice, marriage, family therapist, helping women emotionally navigate infertility, third-party reproduction. But then when I went through it myself and I had my own experience, um, I opened up my concierge business where I was working with people more concretely in regard to surrogacy, egg donors, sperm donors, and infertility. So depending on what people come to me with, you know, if it's fertility, you know, not talking about third-party reproduction, you know, I offer sessions helping people to, you know, figure out how to advocate for yourself, what questions to ask, what information do you need to gather? Let's discuss your options. Um, you know, once you've met with your doctor, medical professional, I give referrals, whether that be to doctors, to acupuncturists, um, you know, those type of things. And just kind Marley of- Marley knows all the doctors. You, know, you always <laughs> have the best doctors of anything. Like anyone needs a doctor, ask Marley. <laughs> That's kind of been like a, you know, I'm in my neuroses through my life. I like always know the doctors. It's like, who needs to get into the club? Just, you just need to get into the doctor. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so that's part of what I do. And then at another level, um, when as someone's been told they need to use a surrogate, or a donor. Um, I work with people in that in a concrete way where I help them, um, you know, work with agencies to find a good surrogate, find a good donor, and then help help them sort of lay on the whole process, putting their team together with attorney, doctor, um, and just kind of doing the day-to-day, -day, helping them navigate their journey um with their surrogate or with their donor, which is a little bit short of a process. Um, but I work with both um and you know, 
kind of, it's sort of a, um, almost like holding your hand and helping you not only in a concrete way to find a donor and find a surrogate and be able to be on that journey, but also sometimes too, with just kind of like, uh, the emotional aspect, um, in addition to the fact that I've been through it. So I try and, you know, really help people, you know, manage the thing that comes up in those experiences as well. Is there such a thing as a fertility doula? Is that, you know, it's interesting. It's kind of like similar to what I do because yeah, that's what I'm so, saying. Yeah, I mean, it's like, like I'm sort of a surrogate because when you use a surrogate, you're not, you don't need a doula because you're not caring, but like you do need somebody to kind of take you through the process. The so emotional aspect, you're yes. a fertility doula. <laughs> I love <that>. new term. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, to kind of not only like advise, um, and referrals and, you know, help you manage the feelings and sort of, of course, on a concrete level, help you find a donor, find a surrogate, help you with referrals to doctors, all those things. Um, but also kind of just like help you talk things through and figure out, you know, it's different than therapy, but it's kind of what I offer in, um, you know, in sort of the whole process of the concrete part of, you know, the concierge and the matching um, and just kind of putting together the whole process. Cause it can be overwhelming when you start. A lot of people that come to me feel like I have no idea where to start. This is, there's so much to know from an information point, from a cost point, from a, you know, and I just need you to kind of like, you know, take me through this, help me find the person, help me figure this out. And then the fertility aspect is kind of the same thing. Like, what do I ask? How do I advocate for myself? What's important? Um, you know, what doctor do I see? What acupuncturist do I see? All of those things as well. Uh, anyone have any last thoughts on fertility? Cause I'm going to transition. Everyone good. No, I think it's, I, I thank you for your, I mean, that is what's really frustrating is like, and just speaking for myself is now that I'm finally emotionally aware or like more than I was, you know, yes. and now I'm ready to embark on this journey that was terrifying or is, you know, really reflective on your own fears then comes the, 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 the desire. And it, it really is, it, it, it's hard on women. Like, I really want people to be able to understand that, like, we carry so much of, of what we're trying to show up for in this modern woman world of like, I want to be, I want to be my own person, but yet I want to be a mom, but yet, you know, um, and then you get hit with the, okay, now pressure is on. And then that makes it a whole nother journey. And then you don't get what you want. It is really frustrating as a woman right now. Um, if they, if they've done the work and like, I've had a few tough times, especially these past few years with like, you know, loss and so on. And so I wasn't going to want to have a kid during that time. It was really hard. So, you know, when you feel like you're starting to get ready and you do all that, like, you know, self-work, and then you're like, you know, you just, you're reminded of this timeline and of this clock. And I appreciate someone like you, because I think what I've tended to avoid is, is, is a fear thing. But what I'm hearing from you is you're really just trying to empower women with truth and knowledge and information. Yeah. I love yeah. that. 
Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. You know, you're, you're right. I mean, I think a lot of women feel that way. And also because there's not always like the support in the sense that like people feel it's hard to talk about because like no one wants to feel like their body isn't working or, you know, there's shame and like I waited and maybe now I can't. And so I think, you know, there are some groups out there like Infertile AF, which is a really cool podcast. And they also have like support groups for women. Um, and there are things, but I think it's, you know, because there's so many feelings for us, you know, whether it be shame, whether it be guilt, whether it be fear, that, you know, sometimes people don't necessarily talk about those things. And it's a really hard thing for us to go through that a lot of times our partners, you know, assuming, you know, if those partners aren't women as well, that they don't go through. And so that can be isolating, especially because it's our bodies, it's our investment, it's us that really have to go through it. And so for them, it's, it's different. So it's, we're in different places there. And so it can make us feel really alone, especially if like, you know, we have friends or we have family members who haven't gone through the same thing. So I think you're really right in the sense that a lot of women really struggle at their core, because this is like something that's like, you know, in talking about evolution, like we're supposed to produce babies and we're supposed to be able to, you know, it's a very core deep rooted thing. And so I think it's, it can be a really painful journey for a lot of people. And so I totally can relate to what you're saying. Can I just say something before we move on, Sarah, you hit on something that I know from my personal experience was what was holding me back was fear. So I hit 38 and I, I swear to God, guys, like I had this almost, it was like, oh my God, you're 38 and you haven't even found your guy. Like maybe he's the guy. I don't know. But I was so afraid to, 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 to see and to see where my fertile health was and to see what it was. And I'm, I am, I am, what is the word I'm looking for? I implore you, if you are in your thirties and your mid thirties, and you are thinking that you want to be a mom, go to a fertility doctor and just see there's so many, it's such a, and, and by the way, it kind of empowers you. Like for me, thank God there was no major issues. He's like, you know, but you're 38. So you you need to make a decision if you want to freeze your eggs, like, what are you going to do? And at that point I had met Kevin and, you know, we had a very, you know, honest conversation about what we both wanted. And we then decided that we were just going to go and try and have a baby, not that moment, but, you know, I think information and education and getting and and getting through the fear of finding out where you stand, how healthy you are, where your body is, your emotional health around it is so important. So please, please, if you take, take everything Marley just said with you, and then, you know, our, all of our um, individual um, experiences around this. I mean, Sarah has her own unique experience too. She's a new mom. And I think that we would all agree on, on saying that information and education and just getting through the fear aspect of it is your best bet so that you can get to an actionable place, whatever, wherever you may land. And I would just say from, and I'm Marley knows more about this than I do about freezing eggs, but if you are approaching 35 and you're not ready to have a baby, but you know, you want to have one eventually, and you can afford to freeze your eggs, I would suggest doing it because you're going to get so many more eggs at that point. than if let's say 38, 39 or 40, you decide to do it, you may have to do multiple rounds. And so it would actually be cheaper if you went ahead and did it at 35 would just be from Great what advice. I've learned. Yeah, really good advice. I, I know we want to move on to a different topic, but really quickly, Marley, you are seeing women in their early 40s, mid 40s start to uh, like an increase in hearing about it. 
What is that? Is it just technology has gotten better? Are women taking better care of themselves? Why are we seeing an increase in women having children in their early 40s to mid 40s? Yeah. And to give hope to our listeners who are older, who think they might've missed the boat. And this is like, to what you guys are all saying, like, I think as scare, we tend to avoid things that scare us, you know, because it's hard, right? Like when we're scared of something, it's easier to not have an answer than it is. Sometimes we think if we don't have an answer, it's more comforting to not know than to have an answer we don't like, or that feels scary. But I think to what you guys are saying, like getting answers, there's options, you know, it's hopeful because even if you find an answer where maybe your fertility is a little bit lower or there's options. There's ways, things you can do. And that kind of speaks to the technology aspect of it. I think women are, yes, having babies later because of all the things that we talked about, but technology and advances in how, what we can do for women now, you know, between egg donors, surrogacy, you know, surgeries, things that, you know, they can they can fix that maybe they didn't used to. And third-party reproduction now is incredible, which means like there are egg donors, there are sperm donors, surrogates, like all of these things that are really working for people. So, and I'm seeing you guys so many even single women, women that are on their own that are having babies that are using either their eggs and a sperm donor, or they're using a donor and and also a sperm donor and a surrogate or doing it on their own. And, you know, they're getting to a point where they're having babies on their own too, or with partners later in life. And, you know, because either they've frozen their eggs or they've been able to use some of these other options like surrogacy and like donors, there's just, I think third-party reproduction has really, really advanced in the last however many years that like for women, who do have fertility issues, there are so many more options to still be able not only to have either a genetic baby or have a child that you carry um, and, you know, that give people more, way more opportunities than they used to. So I am really seeing like, you know, um, a lot of my clients are not in their twenties and thirties. A lot of them are in their forties. I have some in their fifties who are doing it as well because they've had, they have access to all these opportunities, which I think are so, so incredible. I mean, I myself, wouldn't have been able to have a child had I not had a surrogate. Um, and so, you know, while I was lucky to be able to still use my own embryos, um, you know, we really were fortunate that the surrogacy option was available to us. And I think a lot of other women are having a similar experience. I love that. We could talk even more. We can go more in depth <laughs> on all of this, but I do, I'm like, I have so much I want to get from you, but I do want to go into, um, we have a lot of entertainment people, artists okay. who listen to us. Um, And I know a big thing, like I myself struggle with it is anxiety and there's performance anxiety. And sometimes it gets in the way of you showing up and giving your best work, or maybe you lose that job because you got too nervous in your audition and you choked and that was it. So I know that you have a lot of um, clients who are in the entertainment business. What would be your advice for people to get over that? Because I know that there are people who use beta blockers, which do you suggest doing that? Do you suggest not doing that? Like, how would you help? Well, it's, I mean, I can't, you know, because I'm not a psychiatrist, I do see a lot of patients in the entertainment industry. A lot of those people do take beta blockers and have found them helpful. Um, You know, I think the best thing, if you're considering that is to talk to a psychiatrist and find out if that's something that would be helpful for you. In my experience, I've had, have had patients that do find that helpful, you know, just because it kind of lowers anxiety that's in the body, in the body. Um, But I think, you know, it's, it's not a one-stop shop kind of thing in terms of like working on that. I think a lot of people struggle with performance anxiety, with the pressure of performing, especially when it's something they want so much. 
Um, so, and I think a lot of times the way that people deal with that at times is to try and push the anxiety away, you know, put a lot of pressure on themselves to be like, no, no, I can't be anxious. I'm not anxious. I'm okay. I can't think about that. Like, you're going to do good. You're going to do good. And kind of like really try and, and, and put it at bay. And I think sometimes it's kind of like the monster on the, under the bed when you like, don't look and you're like, it's not there. It's not there. It's not there. It tends to like get bigger. And so I think what I've seen work a lot for people is kind of looking at the anxiety and like allowing it to sort of be there and knowing that like, okay, this is kind of a part of what I'm dealing with. I'm feeling anxious. I'm going to be in the present and acknowledge that and kind of also tap into with this other part of me that knows I'm here because I'm talented, knows how badly I want this, knows that like, you know, this is something I've studied. This is something like I've had previous success to some capacity, maybe not yet at the level that I want, and also kind of tapping into that as well. And I think kind of letting all the things exist. And then in addition, you know, kind of doing things for your anxiety, like practicing meditation, practicing breathing, you know, getting your body in a regular state of being able to manage it, as opposed to just like waiting until you get in that crisis moment before the audition, and then feeling like, oh, I have to use all these tools, but kind of getting used to practicing those tools so that like, you know, maybe before you go into an audition, you spend that time kind of like, you know, maybe 10 minutes kind of using those tools or sometimes things is silly. And I know this sounds silly, but like anxiety is oftentimes very somatic. It's in your body, right? So like while it's in your head and like can be ruminations can also be body related. So like sometimes, you know, before you're going to do something where there's a lot of anxiety, getting that energy out. So whether that means like putting on like music that you like and spending 10, 15 minutes, like jump roping or, you know, jumping up and down, doing something that like really gets that energy out, um, can be helpful because then you're kind of like releasing that nervous energy from your body. And so that you, you're, you're kind of like, you've rid it. So you're in that state where your body's feeling a little bit more relaxed and you may still be like addressing some of the cognitive stuff. Um, but I think the cognitive stuff is a little bit easier to address sometimes than the body stuff. Cause the body stuff feels like sometimes you're out of control when your heart's pounding and you feel sweaty and you're like, what if I, what if I'm going to forget the words? And it becomes like, that becomes a fear of sort of like losing control and kind of like messing it up. So I think that something like that, the other thing I will say that's kind of like that is sometimes, you know, we call it, um, it's kind of like, uh, journaling in a way that is, um, you know, like sometimes it's like hate journaling, which isn't really like, but basically writing something down on a piece of paper that no one's going to see and that you're not going to keep and like writing out, like whether it's, we say it for like anger, like when people are angry and they write out things that they would never say out loud, but kind of works the same for anxiety, like writing down all your worst fears about what could happen, all the things that you're, you know, worried about, like anything that is rattling around in your mind that you like, don't want to say out loud that you don't want to talk to somebody about writing it all down and then throwing throwing it out, you know, because anything you can do to sort of, instead of pushing it away and denying it, get it out there, get it out in the present, face it, and then try and sort of expel it in the best way that you can, or kind of like sort of breathe it in, knowing that you have this other part of you that is there, that is strong, that is, is leading you to like be putting yourself out there and, you know, trying to go to auditions or, you know, trying to be out there, which is hard, you know, takes a lot of vulnerability. So kind of letting that exist as well, in addition to the anxiety that's there. <clears throat> What you resist persists. Yep. <laughs> Are you the best? Yes. Yes. And, and I, I love Marley, the somatic approach, because like, and, and we said at the top beta blockers and 
Yeah. You know, in fact, uh, I don't know if GABACOM, like GABA is a, would be considered a beta blocker, but it's a more natural version. And I've taken that before, but, um, for me, the somatic approach is, is powerful because it sort of gets to a deeper understanding of, um, we're paralyzed by fear, which is, you know, the deep root of, of why we become, you know, uh, afraid to do things. And I think if we can get a deep, like I was having um, panic attacks right before I was going live on air when I was covering the Raiders and I had to see a somatic therapist and she really helped work through a lot of the shame, grief, guilt, all of the things that I was feeling because my dad was very sick and he was, you know, in, in the hospital with cancer. And then I shortly lost my father after that. And I told her, and I just recently had her on my Instagram, like an IG live and she, I messaged her, like, I'm feeling a lot of shame. I'm, I'm smoking cigarettes like John Wayne right now. <laughs> and then she goes, smoke all, buy all the packs you need. Yeah. And I thought that that was a really interesting piece of advice because her permission for me, if I ever wanted to do that, re- removed the shame that yeah. I was feeling. And then it released this pressure. Then I was like, oh, I don't need the cigarettes anymore. I, I've healed this part of myself, like the shape, this, this, right? With the cigarettes were the, were the symbol of my dysregulation. I was trying to control in my nervous system. I was like, yeah. make the pain go away, whatever it was, you know? And so I appreciate this, the somatic approach because yeah, performance anxiety, anxiety isn't just for artists who are on camera. It can be businessmen that are in the pitch pitch meeting or a realtor who's showing a house or whatever important thing that matters to them, the child um, at a recital. So I appreciate hearing your perspective because yes, we can fix things with a pill and a medicine and that's all great, but we can kind of get to the root of what we're really afraid of. And like you said, journal, um, I think that ends up being a better long-term answer. Oh. Yeah. And you know, it's like fear isn't, you know, we look at fear as the enemy because fear yeah. feels uncomfortable, you know, but it really isn't, you know, it's part of a human condition. Like we are all fearful of things. And so I think, like you said, kind of being able to like, and we're stern with the fear, you know, we, when we're the fear, it's like, I, I shouldn't be thinking this way, you know, go away. This is not good. Like I need to be strong. Like all of these things, instead of like what you were saying, like being compassionate, you know, like be, being compassionate with ourselves Um, and because the fear a lot of times is older too, you know, we grow up like being fearful and learning to be fearful in our lives. And so it's kind of like when we get really harsh with ourselves, it ends up making it worse. And so I think having compassion for the fear, knowing it's a human condition. And like you said, once you sort of gave yourself compassion for like, okay, it's okay to smoke the cigarette. Like I'm okay. This is okay. This is where I'm at today. You kind of didn't need it anymore. And I think that that's a big part of the journey and managing fears, knowing it's a human condition knowing that it happens to us all and kind of trying to be as compassionate with ourselves in that. I'm obsessed with this episode, just FYI. <laughs> I mean, Marley, I, I literally like, I'm looking at my list. I'm like, oh, I only have time for one more question. We're going to have to have you back on and we should have had you. I love talking with you guys. It's so fun. I know <laughs> oh we should God. have had her on our anxiety episode. We did a whole episode on anxiety and we should have had somebody like Marley there to also help um, with advice. Well, Cause it was really interesting. And I, I hope it's okay if I say this, Sarah, but Sarah talked about on the podcast where her stepdad came and, and had COVID and she was like, really terrified of being passed down to her baby. And in our text messages, she said, I feel like a bad mom. 
And in that moment, I was like, I don't want to fix her. I want to hold space for her because all I see from Sarah is like truly one of the most amazing moms ever. But I, I saw in her that anxiety of, she, of this moment made her bad, you know? And I'm like, Ooh, I don't want to fix her. I want to hold space for her. But I also, I saw it. I saw how we do this to ourselves. These narratives we want to like use to like shame ourselves, you know? I hope it's okay that I said that, Sarah, because I oh, really do think you are an incredible mom and you hmm. take such good care of your baby. So when you said those words, I felt like, how can I be a good friend in this moment and hold her without her, without making her feel like I needed to fix her, you know? And that's incredible because I feel like that's so much of a part of like relationships and, you know, is like, because we all feel this way, right? We all feel like bad moms. We all feel like sometimes one trick ponies. We all feel like imposters. Like as a human, everybody feels that way. And I think people are less likely to talk about it because other people sometimes are uncomfortable, you know, with like tough emotions. So I think for me and in general, like the way that we can be, I think, as women so supportive to each other is by allowing each other like you so beautifully did like to have those feelings and not just try and fix them, but having them be okay, you know, and being able to share them with each other. And like, really that's true connection to me, you know, and not just trying to have to say like, Oh no, you're fine. You're good mom. You're fine. Because then it's kind of like dismissing and not letting someone kind of like sit in where they're at. So I think that that's incredible. You guys sound like you guys all have like beautiful friendship. So <laughs> thanks, Mars. I mean, I was lucky enough to live with Marley for eight years. So I had like an in-house therapist. How lucky were you? She's amazing. <laughs> Hi, Marley. Can we be- I know. I'm there. Oh man. Just so fun. Um, she's like a sister to me. So, okay. We're going to definitely have you back, but one more thing I just want to touch on today is yeah. you mentioned relationships. So you are a marriage counselor. If you had any advice for anyone who, who's married, not married, single in a relationship, like what what is just some sort of advice you can give um, to our listeners out there? Yeah, I would say relationships and marriage is complicated. No matter how much, how many things on Instagram you see about, I love my hubby, I love my wife, I got flowers, life is perfect. Like every relationship is, has its ups and downs, has its ruptures and repairs. It's just the way life works, you know? So I think for me, the main thing is everybody's going to have problems. Everybody has like, challenges they bring to the table. No one's perfect. So everybody has their triggers. Everybody has, you know, roadblocks and obviously communication is really important, but, and it's kind of part of what I think, but I think the most important thing is that people know they have to work on their relationships. That's just what it is. Whether that means therapy, whether that means you have other ways like communicating or, you know, setting aside a time to work things out. Um, I think that for, that's the difference that I see for people that stay together and people that don't is people that have two partners that are willing to do the work to stay together versus people that don't want to put in the work, don't want to look at themselves, don't want to look look at the relationship and do what they need to do to kind of, you know, whether it be communicate, whether it be compromise, you know, self-reflection. Um, I think, you know, if you can put in the work as hard as it is and be with somebody who's also willing to do the same, because over the long term, that's like really what it's about is, you know, kind of being the best self for you and your partner, hopefully doing the same and being the best self for themselves and for each other. And just real quick, I'm going to touch on that. I think that's really powerful to say, because we can, we look to our parents or our caretakers as like the role models for how we show up in relationship. 
And I've had my my parents were married for almost 40 years. I will still say, though, even though they were married and they stayed together, I wouldn't define my parents as the role models for relationship. I would still say, like, you know, just because parents stay together doesn't necessarily mean they're happy. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I my dad was terrified of my mom. <laughs> I yeah. mean, he would pacify her and she was really like a drill sergeant. And now as my, as I've increased in age, I'm so much more aware of like, even though they stay together, that would not be the role model for my relationship I would want to have now. Yeah. Um, but they suck it out and I felt the love and they treated me, you know, they protected me and all of the things, but I would even say like to give people at home advice, look to your parents and decide, is that the type of relationship I want to have or not have? And that's the best thing that we can do because I think sometimes we just show up. We're so wounded. We don't know what the fuck we want. We're just like really confused. And that was me for a really long time. So um, I, I love my mom and dad. I don't want their relationship, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just you know, working on things and, you know, don't be afraid of couples therapy because really so many people are, I think. And it's like, really, it's mediation, you know, like there's everybody when they're in a couple is emotionally reactive, right? We're all triggered. We're all reacting from our place. And when we're reacting, we're not hearing each other. So one person's <laughs> reacting, the other person's reacting, and you just have a bunch of emotional reactivity. So I think what's helpful about like, you don't have to be in long-term couples therapy, but what's helpful about doing it, you know, whether it's coaching therapy, having like some kind of mediator is it's like, number one, you get held accountable, both partners. Number two, you get forced to listen, <laughs> You know, and number three, you learn how to change your patterns because we all in relationships are in these sometimes stuck in these patterns where one person does this, therefore the other person does this. And so I think being able to like have somebody help you acknowledge those patterns and then making different choices can be helpful too. And I think Marla's having a moment. What's going on, Zulai? <laughs> Marley, help yes. me out, sister. <laughs> um, how do you approach a partner with whom you've been to therapy? Yeah. And then in their own sick little fucking head, they come <laughs> home and later try to make it seem like everything the therapist said was geared. To, I'm like, were you in, even in the room? <laughs> Kevin oh, and I no. went to therapy. And let me tell you, he is, baby, I love you. <laughs> I'm just going to preface this by saying that, but he's even hard in therapy. He's like, you see what I mean? He, I, I'm right. I'm like, that's not what he's saying at all. <laughs> and he's fact, having selective hearing. He's having selective hearing. So do we need to go to another therapist before we hit like the actual therapist to get him right of hearing? Like, where do we start here? I well, have a poor... <laughs> you are not like the, this is, I mean, this is a very common thing with it's men. Hilarious. It's hilarious. It's comical. Yeah. Like men are number one, less open to therapy. And number two, when they go, sometimes they tend to be like, you know, not very, uh, practice in hearing kind of like, <laughs> um, but I would say if the therapist isn't acknowledging that and like calling out that dynamic, then I think maybe it might be time. Well, you know, I hate, that's what I, don't, I don't mean to say anything negative about any therapist, but I do think that like, if you're in a room and he's saying like, see, you're wrong, you, you know, I'm right. You're wrong. It's like, I think that's a dynamic in itself. You know, that's it. Like, okay, well, let's think about this. Like, let's think about what's going on here in the dynamic that like, 
we're not both like open to what the other person is saying and trying to understand. Um, and I think that's a dynamic that like should be addressed. So it it's also something you could maybe bring up and say, Hey, you know, last time when we here, when we left, you know, I felt like you were kind of saying that like what we discussed in here, I was wrong. And, and that's really not the purpose of being here. I really want to understand and kind of put that to the therapist to kind of address that. Um, and if they don't, maybe it's just not the right person. You know, I mean, I think the important part is acknowledging patterns of communication. And that is a pattern of communication. So, you know, thank you, Marley. Maybe you guys or- need to call Marley. <laughs> no, maybe Marley. You know what, Marley? You may be our new therapist. I got uh, some referrals for you, sister, if you need them. Yes. Yeah, no, it's funny because the therapist was a man. He was a very nice man, but I could there were dynamics that were not addressed. And I was like, this was a mistake. We stopped going, but we're going to go back. We're going to probably find really good people. So if you want, if you good, thank you, Marley. See, we are going to be friends. She knows all all the doctors. I'm not lying. If there's any sort of doctor (laughs) or dentist you need, just say Marley. I'm looking for this person. Where are you currently? Where are you currently located? I've been in LA for the last 20 years. Right now, oh, okay. I've been in Newport for a little bit because my family's down here for the kids. Um, but all my referrals are in LA and everything. I was telling Sarah, you know, or I was saying when you stepped out, I was like, you know, in our 20s, like everybody's like, oh yeah, I got I got a connection into the club. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm into the doctors. Like you need a doctor? Like <laughs> my neurotic self is like, here's this, here's that. Sarah's like, who do I go to? I'm like, yeah, she knows all the best. Okay, so Marley, how can our listeners find you? Yeah, sure. So you can find me um, on my website, Surrogacy by Marley. Um, and I can, Sarah, I can give you this information. Also, uh, MarleySimonMFT.com, which is my pre- private practice, which is separate. Um, and, you know, you'll have my phone number and my email there on both of those websites as well. Um, I have an Instagram, but it's not necessarily like work focused as of yet. Um, but mm-hmm. they can also reach out to you, Sarah, and I'm you know, happy to give you my, all my contact information too. Great. And I had an idea while we were recording this episode, so you can let yes. me know if you think it's good. What if you're like our in-house entertain her therapist? Like whenever we have a question or a topic that comes up, we can refer to Marley and have your little I'm input. On it. Any excuse to talk to you guys and like chit chat. So fun. <laughs> When Erica, when Erica and I are in a in a in a bestie fight, you can come help mediate. How about that? Her and Erica are like sisters all the time. They're they're in a, a cute little fight, and Zula and I just laugh. We're like, oh, here we go, round two. Um, but thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I love you. I'm just happy I to love see you. you. And I'm so happy for you guys with this podcast and everything you have going. I think it's incredible and super helpful, I'm sure, for lots of people. So congrats on that. You're Thanks, amazing Marley. and fabulous, Marley. Thank you for being here and for of blessing course. us with your expertise you and guys just are... kindness. And you'll be back. <laughs> I would love to. Anytime, sister, just let me know and I'm there. She was amazing. I mean, I could have listened and talked to her and I, I have a whole list of like 45 more questions, which I don't even know why I thought I'd have time for all of these, but <laughs> she will have to be back. Um, I hope that everyone listening got a lot out of that. And for our male listeners, again, you'll learn a lot more about fertility than you ever thought you knew uh, or wanted to know, but I hope that everyone got something out of listening to Marley today. I actually will challenge that. I think that these male listeners needed this And in fact, you should invite your other male friends to tune in and understand just the complexity and how much of our energy 
energy and societal pressures and all the other things that come with this fertility thing. And I think that you can be a big support system to your partner. So share, please share. And if you are going through some things at home with your girlfriend, your wife, whomever, now you know that you there are ways that you can support and ways that you can just be more involved um, with, with educating yourself on all of the intricacies of this thing. Um, Sarah, you just need to give me Marley's number and I'll take it from there. Done. I'm going to need her number. <laughs> yeah, she Done. was amazing. I, I love that she um, helped shift focus from fear and avoidance to empowerment and knowledge. And also I'm bummed I didn't ask um, how Sarah was as a roommate, to be honest, but, um, we're just going to have to get her on again. That was an episode of entertain her. Please help us spread the word and help us grow and leave us a review on iTunes and send us a DM. If you have any, um, any thoughts and if you have any questions for Marley, we might have her back. And if you have any questions that you want to ask a therapist, um, send them our way and we'll have her back on to answer those. And I am Sarah Sanderson. I'm Zulai Hanna. And Mary Casgarelli. See you next week. Bye.